Amen. Thank you, worship team. It's different being on this side. <laughs> well, let me just breathe for a moment and just take a look at you for a moment, if you don't mind. I'm not used to sitting up there. I'm used to being here and already seeing you. But I just want to take this time to say um, I'm grateful for this opportunity. And good morning to you. I usually say good morning earlier. I'm just, oh, everything's kind of mixed up a little bit, but I'm grateful for the mix up. I want to thank um, God for my family that's attending and for you all who are here, my church family, my friends, and just the people of God who are tuning in, and you in my Father's house. I'm just grateful. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Jewel Gibson, and usually um, you'll see me leading worship. I know I got my headband and got a dress on today, but usually I'm leading um, worship. So it's very humbling to be behind this podium. It seems less intimidating as the worship leader than it is as the preacher. So I must say, but Pastor Chris, thank you for, I know where you, wherever you are, happy birthday to you. And I just want to thank you for entrusting me with this task. And elders, worship ministry, um, and just the people of God, all of you, thank you for undergirding me with your prayers and for supporting me over these years. Today, I'm blessed to have the opportunity to do the only thing that I ever really wanted to do in the body of Christ, and that is teach the word of God. I know Pastor Chris talks to you about his journey, but I want you to know that, and just to be just purely honest, I never desired to be a worship leader um, or be over music ministries. I didn't. I felt so frustrated um, when God gave me this as my spiritual occupation <laughs> and as my physical, because what I wanted to do was really be the black Joyce Myers. So I was a little salty with God when he chose me to lead worship ministry. Um, so when I was given this uh, assignment, I remember um, by a pastor, I jumped in my car. I just started driving. It was in the, it was in the morning. It was on Sunday morning. He gave me this. He was like, everybody's going to report to Jewel. And I got mad, jumped in my car, just was furious because I wanted to teach. But one day I had a Damascus Road experience on my way to choir rehearsal. And God let me know that he was going to do something new in my life, but he wasn't specific. It was only a short time later when I was called into a pastor's office and was told that if I didn't lead worship ministry, that I would be missing God's will for my life. The Bible says, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. I am grateful for the man of God, the prophet, for speaking this into my life and for the faith that God gave me to follow his instruction. It changed the trajectory of my walk with God and my kingdom service, and for that I am grateful. So thank you, Strong Tower, for allowing and trusting me to serve as your worship leader. Don't despise God's appointments and assignments just because you don't understand it. That's before the sermon starts, all right? That's point one. So little bit about me if you really know me if you really know me 
you will know that my favorite genre of music is rap music. I feel judged in the spirit realm right now. Okay, that, that's not, okay? But real story, thank you brother, real story. Pastor Chris and I, decades ago, took the youth of the church. We were in a van, so we took the youth to this Black History Museum, okay? And so it was in another state, I can't remember when. And um, so he had his iPod. He had an iPod's little square thing the music comes out of, all right? Not your cell phone, okay? He had his iPod and I had mine. So he was listening to his music and I was listening to mine. We were good, we had no boundary issues there, okay? But then something got a little crossed, and he asked me, he said, what, what you listening to? And I was like, Jesus. And then he asked to trade iPods with me. He just crossed the boundary. He asked to listen to my iPod. He said, let's trade. You give me your iPod, and I'll give you mine. Baby, if he'd have heard what was on my iPod, he'd have crashed that van. And Jesus, I'm telling you, I was like, oh. I said, wait, wait, ho, ho. I said, you, 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 I started stuttering. You don't want to listen to what's on my iPod. He said, well, why not? He said, well, I said, because I like rap music. And I like hard rap music. And he was like, okay, well, who do you like? I said, oh, Lord, Jesus, you can't lie to the prophet. I said, Snoop Dogg and 50 Cent. And then I said, and Ying Yang Twins. And I just started naming off a whole lot of people. And he, he asked me, he said, well, do you listen to Christian rap? And I said, huh? Christian rap? And he laughed, and I, you know, and I basically said no. He said, well, why not? I said, because I didn't know my pastor was a rapper. He, I said, because the lyrics and the beats are just lame and weak. He said, what? So he said, well, I'm going to put on cross movement, and I'm going to have you to listen to cross movement. So I listened to it, I gained a respect, I heard the word of God to a beat, it, it kind of ministered to me, and so, you know, I am grateful for that experience. He transformed my listening experience and allowed me to embrace Christian rap, and so I'm grateful for that. But every now and then, I go back and I try to be relevant, and I listen to the rappers of this time. So I wanted to kind of spiritualize this a little bit to make it all right. So because, in the words of Rick Ross, because of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ in my heart and in my life, I'm richer than I've ever been. And in the words, of Pulitzer Prize-winning rapper, Kendrick Lamar. I'm a little nervous, but I know that it's gonna be all right. And then lastly, the infamous words of Waka Flocka. <laughs> oh, let's do it, all right? Let's do this, amen? 
All right. So let me pray. All right. I'm going to read this prayer. I want you to bow your heads and pray for me. All right. But I wrote this prayer because I don't want to miss anything. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Cover me and speak through me so that you will be glorified, the body will be edified, and the devil will be horrified. I am grateful that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and that your word is quick, powerful, and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We are grateful, God, that this Bible, your holy word, is God-breathed. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be equipped for every good work. Penetrate our hearts today, O Lord, by your spirit. Transform and renew our minds so we can repent and submit and obey. Mold these lips of clay right now into an instrument of worship. Speak, Lord, through me, because only when you speak will lives be changed, will people be healed, delivered, convicted, not shamed, and set free in order that your perfect will can be accomplished in us and through us. Please remove any blockages. Perform a Holy Ghost angioplasty in this place. Remove any blockages in my heart, my mind, and my spirit that prohibits me from hearing and flowing freely. And Lord, remove any blockages in the hearts, minds, and spirits of your people that prohibit them from experiencing life-changing transformation that only comes through the power of the word of God and your spirit. For we ask these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Let all God's people say, Amen. Amen. My sermon title today is basic but profound to me. My, my, my sermon title today is Have Faith in God. Have Faith in God. Now, before I start teaching, I had, you know, it, it's a tradition of the church, and some of you may be familiar with this, that you have a sermonic solo. Anybody familiar with that tradition? All right. So I have a sermonic solo before I start teaching. Can you go ahead and play that sermonic solo for me? You know, 
That is my little cousin. He's more like a little nephew to me, and I love him. He is our up-and-coming worship leader. He watches us on live stream, and he has his piano, and he carries his mic all around. And so I asked him, I said, he's three years old. I called him the other day. I said, KJ, I'm going to teach on Sunday. I'm going to preach. Can you sing the song for me? He said, okay. I said, what? Praise him, praise him. Now, he's like, okay. I said, now, you're in the bathtub now, but tomorrow when you get dressed, can you sing this song for me? And he said, okay. That next morning, I had that song dropped into my email. Let me tell you something, the beautiful thing about kids. He didn't give me his agenda. He didn't say no. He was available. And that's a way that I want to live. Amen. So let's get to the word of God. Our New Testament foundational scripture for today is found in 1 John 5 and 21. Okay, I'll let you find that. Our New Testament foundational scripture today is found in 1 John 5 and 21. Now, this verse is the last verse of 1 John. I personally love 1 John because it's powerful. It's packed with great instruction for believers. If you read 1 John, you will find it to be a word to believers specifically about authentic belief in Jesus Christ. What it looks like in the life of a believer as far as how we should act, who we should love, what we shouldn't love. It identifies us as the children of God. It warns us not to be surprised if the world hates us. It's where we find that if a man says that he is without sin, he is a lie and the truth isn't in him. It informs us that we know that we know God if we keep his commands. It also lets us know that the mark of a real believer is obedience to Christ. First John also warns us about the Antichrist and false prophets. The writer lets us know that if we ask anything, anything according to his will, that he will give it to us. That's First John. It tells us not to believe every spirit, but to test spirits to see if they are from God because prophets have gone out into the world, false prophets. But at the end, 1 John has five chapters. At the end of the fifth chapter, the 21st verse, after all of this great guidance and instruction, the writer ends with this final thought that seems to be random, but if we know God, there's no such thing as random, for he's sovereign, he's purposeful, and acts with detailed precision. The last verse is our foundational scripture for today's message, and it reads, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. The grass withers and the flowers fade, 
but the word of our God remains forever. Amen. Now, the sermon title, Have Faith in God, has been placed on my heart for the church for this season. Have Faith in God is a humbling but very relevant and timely word that can never be exhausted. This word has caused me to pray, assess, and realign my life, my thoughts, and my motives. And I pray that it will do the same for you. These words, have faith in God, are declarative, prophetic, and most importantly, they are not optional for the believer. Titles like this from God don't require us to rationalize them or it doesn't require a sales pitch to believer, but these words are to be received and obeyed by the people of God. Everything in your life and my life that competes for our faith in God needs to be challenged. In a world that's full of uncertainties and chaos, where our baseline is being kicked to the sideline and where our fundamentals are being fractured, there is a word from God that even though some may consider it basic, these words are the rite of passage and is the mantra for all that confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It is spoken from the mouth of Old Testament prophets and in the New Testament, it comes straight from the mouth of Jesus himself. Have faith in God. Now, in 1996, Dallas-Fort Worth broadcasters came together with local police to form an early warning system to help find abducted children. We've come to know it as an Amber Alert. Now Amber, if you'll put it up on the screen, Amber stands for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response. The acronym was created as a legacy to nine-year-old Amber Hagerman, who was kidnapped when riding her bicycle in Arlington, Texas, and she was then brutally murdered. Other states began adopting the Amber Emergency System, and as of 2009, all 50 states, DC, Puerto Rico, and the US Virgin Islands have Amber Alert plans. Because whether or not you are aware Every 40 seconds, a child goes missing or is abducted in the United States. Approximately 840,000 children are abducted annually. The president in 2003 signed into law the PROTECT Act, which added several vital things to the Amber Alert system to enhance it. The goal was to get the children back home and to arrest the perpetrator, the abductor. These elements were, and if you'll put it up there, it's CTI, confirmation. The first thing in the Amber Alert 
law enforcement must confirm that an abduction has taken place, okay? Must be confirmed. T, threat. The child must be at risk of serious injury or death. And I, there needs to be sufficient descriptive information of the child, the abductor, and the captor's vehicle. And any other information that you have, okay? Any other information that is significant in capturing the abductor, okay? The abducted is what is relevant and needs to be reported, okay? Now, many of you are probably asking me right now, why is Dr. Jewell out of all the things in the Bible? Why is she talking about an Amber Alert? Why does she start her sermon talking about something as sad, depressing, traumatic, and egregious as child abductions and Amber Alerts? And my answer to you is simply because this is the way the Lord gave it to me to give to you this morning. There is an Amber Alert warning out for the church and for the church at large. And if it had to be pushed through the SMS system or placed on TV, it would start with a huge siren like noise with the words, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Amen. The siren, the siren would say, thou shalt have no other gods before me to get your attention. And the Amber Alert would read like this. Can you put it up for me? The abducted name is faith in God. The abductor's name is idols. Now, idols may be hard to find because he sometimes disguises himself to look like two other people, God's blessings and God's favor. The color, make, and model of the vehicle Idol using to abduct faith in God is sin in our hearts. James 1.14 says, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. So saints, this morning, I ask you, have you seen idols? I encourage you to look hard because idols is sneaky. He always changes his look so that he can't be identified. The next time you see God's blessings and God's favor, I need you to look again to make sure that it ain't idols in disguise. Idols is slick, and its primary goal is to abduct your faith, your allegiance, your reliance, and dependence on Almighty God. 
Now, this is not a new Amber Alert. God is very familiar with abduction attempts on faith in God. Faith in God has always been a prime target of attack and abduction since Adam and Eve because Satan knows that faith in God is powerful and that it propels believers into greatness in God and positions them to maneuver life successfully and to accomplish their God-given assignment in the earth. There have been many sightings throughout scripture of abduction attempts on faith in God. Idols is not the only one that has attempted to abduct faith in God. Put it up on the board for me. Power, fear, pride, Lust, greed, money, and intellect have also been placed on the most wanted list for their attempts to steal faith in God. Now, in order for this Amber Alert to be successful and for faith in God to be returned and restored and for idols to be exposed and dealt with, I will need to provide you with additional background information on the parties involved. So let's start with a description of faith in God, also known, AKA, as faith. Now faith can be best described as the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by it, our ancestors won God's approval by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Each believer receives a measure of faith from God. And the Bible says that if we have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Faith in God is powerful. So why is it imperative that we get faith in God back? Because according to our biblical ancestors, faith wins the approval of God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. When the disciples approached Jesus, when they were trying to cast out a demon and wonder why they couldn't cast the demon out, Jesus responded, because of your little faith. Faith in God is the tattoo that all blood-washed, born-again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ wear as a badge of honor for the world to see that God is trustworthy and that as a child of God, we desire to spend the rest of our lives obeying and following his will for our lives and believing that he is able to fulfill every promise he gives to us as his children. We believe it when the word of God clearly says that the just shall live by faith. Faith is living your life with the expectation that God is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Faith is powerful, saints. That's why there is an attempt 
to snatch it from us. Saints, we govern our entire lives by faith in something or someone. Let's take the day. You paid your electric bill at the beginning of the month with the faith that when you or your family, you know, you, 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 you have faith when you paid it that you would live to be able to use it. That's number one. Then you had the faith that something, a current was going to flow through a wire and that everything you cut on in the house was going to cut on. That's faith. When you flip light switches, okay, you show faith in God, okay? Now, you had faith this morning that when you drove to church, that there was still going to be a church here. Amen. That's faith. When you got here, you had faith that the lights would cut on and that the air would be working, even though you don't know how much it costs, you don't know how much money the church has in this account, and you don't know if Jerry paid the bill. You have so much faith in your employers that you will go to work every day, Monday through Friday, for two weeks and sometimes a month, believing that your check that you need to pay your bills is going to be at the bank at a certain time, at a certain amount. And you don't have a clue of the people, the processes, and all that it takes behind the scenes to pull it off. Everything we do is guided by faith. That's why faith in God is under attack. The devil does not want the believer to conduct our entire lives by faith in God because it's a threat to him and his agenda. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat sat, said to the people before going into battle, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be successful. Have faith in his prophets and you will succeed. If we had faith in God, man, what a difference we can make. So that's faith, okay? That's a description of faith. Now let me give you a description of idols. Idols is a little harder to describe, but idols can be described as any person, place, or thing that people worship other than God as if it was God. The Bible gives us examples of idols, such as golden calves, the stars, the moons, nature. But as savvy believers, idols know, he, he knows that we will find him if he looked like those things. If you bought a golden calf, you know, he knows that we won't fall for that. So he won up this game. He's much harder to find now because he changes to look like, it's two things that he changes to look like, to imitate, because he knows that we kind of won't look there. He likes to impersonate God's blessings, and he loves to impersonate God's favor. Again, he loves to impersonate God's blessings, and he loves to impersonate 
God's favor. So every time you look at God's blessings and God's favor, don't be fooled because it may just be idols. Now, idols is not to be trusted. Idols always hated faith in God because idols really want to be God, especially in the lives of God's people. Every believer knows and is familiar with God's blessings and God's favor, but I want to encourage us to take a deeper look at blessings and favor with a discerning lens and through prayer because it may actually be idols in disguise. Idols can dress up like money, houses, cars, your children, your spouse, your job, your career, your passion, your degrees, your business, your contacts, your friends, your influence. You've got to be very discerning because idols can mimic them perfectly and he will use his ability to get close to faith in God so he can snatch it. So the natural question that you may be asking is, how do we know? Dr. Jewel, I've got blessings and favor. God gave me these children. God blessed me with a spouse. God's blessed me with this house. God's given me the desires of my heart. How do we know if it's blessings and favor from God or if idols, if it's really idols, how do we discern? Well, I'm glad you asked. So, I'm gonna put up a list. This list by all means is not comprehensive, but it will get you started. It will get you started. So. If the blessings of God and the favor of God begin looking like this, you may want to make sure it's not idols. So I want you to go to the slide where it says idols is high maintenance. Because I want you to see this. Idols is high maintenance. If blessings and favor begin to consume all of your money, your time, your attention, all of your energy, your allegiance to God, leaving you no time to seek God, serve God, follow God, or obey God, or pray to God. It may be idols. Because idols is high maintenance and seeks ultimately to be God in your life. Another warning, red flag, that idols may be present. Idols likes identity attachment. What does that mean, Dr. Joel? Idols likes for you to attach your value, your success, your purpose for existing and living and being on this earth to it. Your purpose on earth as a believer is to worship the Lord our God and to love him with your whole heart, your mind, and your strength. You may be amazed as a mom. You may be an amazing spouse. You may be amazing, but you were blessed not to make 
what was given to you as a blessing, be an idol. Idols like to be esteemed. They want credit for your success, your victory, your opportunity, and they demand your confirmation of their role. And you know what you do? You may find yourself giving it to them. God's blessings and God's favor is no longer in your vocabulary. You don't stand up and say, I thank God. You start esteeming the blessing and the favor. Watch out. It may just be idols. Another thing about idols, you will disobey God, slight God, give God minimal, or compromise God's word, your Christian values and belief to keep blessings and favor around you. You better watch out. It may be idols if you got to compromise for it to stay around you. Take a look. Another thing about idols, you will begin to feel that you can't exist or live without the blessings or the favor to the point that the thought of you losing them makes you anxious, sick, depressed, and even suicidal. You better watch blessings and favor. Just take a look at them. Another thing, you seek blessings and favor for answers that only God knows or can give you. You seek blessings for validation, for direction. Watch idols. Watch the blessing. Now, people of God, we need to identify idol and snatch back faith in God. God has been good to us, church. We have experienced the blessings, provision, love, the protection, the prosperity of God in, God in ways we never imagined. Many of us are blessed in ways that our parents, our grandparents, never imagined. We are living our ancestors' wildest dreams. They even have shirts to say it. But God never blesses us to compete with himself. For the Bible says in Exodus 22, thou shalt have no other gods before me. God wants us to assess whether idol has hoodwinked us, okey-doped, or bamboozled us. Have we been played? Has our faith in God been lured away by idol, disguised as God's blessings and God's favor? Did that thing start off as a blessing, but now it's an imposter? Look, idols can impersonate blessings. So we just can't become you all. How we know that this thing may have gotten twisted is that you know, we become so blessed that we become too busy to serve. We become making excuses to not to use our spiritual gifts for the kingdom. We become so self-absorbed that any kingdom inconvenience is too much for us. 
We become too critical to give or serve or forget. We become too successful to study our word or pray. We become too arrogant to be checked by wise counsel. We become too self-sufficient that we don't need the fellowship of the believers or the brethren of the body of Christ. Again, James 1 and 14 says, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. So, I'm a clinician. And one of the things I believe as it relates to health and wellness of my patients is the practice of preventive medicine. What can be done? I always, as a clinician, 19 years, I always think what could be done to prevent disease from occurring in the first place. And I believe the same thing holds true in this analogy. What is the ounce of prevention that the believer can engage to strengthen faith in God so that when idols or anything else contrary to the word of God tries to abduct it, it can resist it firmly and not be moved or shaken. How can we as believers prevent faith in God from being snatched by idols in the first place? Well, I'm glad you asked. Number one, be Jesus-focused. Be Jesus-focused. Hebrews 12 and 2 said, encourages us to keep our eyes on Jesus, who is the source and perfecter of our faith. How do we grow our faith? We must hear, read, and meditate on the word of God. Because faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news of Christ. Now, our faith must undergo endurance training. James 1 and 3 says, be assured that the testing of your faith produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And how do you know if faith is strong and growing and if your preventive treatments are working? Because our lives will model the word. The Bible lets us know that faith without works is dead. And lastly, faith has some add-ons to it. So if you see these add-ons, you may know that faith is strengthened. The Bible says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Faith is powerful. Faith moves the heart of God. Many people were healed because of faith, and God did great things for his people based on their faith. But let's not get it twisted. He often punished those who lacked faith. So, as I end today, in my closing, 
The scripture, little children, keep yourself from idols. There is an amber alert warning for the church. Hopefully, you will look at your blessings. You will look at favor through a different lens. You will protect and strengthen your faith in God so that idols will not succeed in abducting it. Always pray about God's blessings and God's favor. He loves to bless us, but he will not compete with himself. Ask God not to allow you to misidentify his blessings and his favor when they are really idols. Lastly, know that a word from this sometimes makes you look over life. It makes you look over your life. Know that God never uses shame to draw his children to himself. He never uses shame. He uses conviction by the work of the Holy Spirit. Conviction conforms you and me to the image of Christ. And that's what we've been sent in this world to do. We've been sent to be molded and conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So don't leave here shamed. Leave here convicted. Leave here changed. Leave here discerning. Because little children keep yourself from idols. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.